You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Don Baker, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. My mom was in the midst of what Sheryl Sandberg would a few decades later in her infamous book call Leaning In when tragedy struck. Well, sort of. Years before, she had left her job as a chemist to bring up children. She was about to graduate with her MBA when my dad suddenly died. She not only had to lean in, but also become the only breadwinner as well as parent to her three boys. And this might be the biggest struggle of the women's rights movement of the 60s and 70s as well as today. Women are breaking down all sorts of barriers in politics, culture, and corporate America, yet are expected to still be perfect spouses, mothers, and homemakers. Like my mom, they become superwomen. And like my mom, many of them never complain about the frustration, pain, and fatigue of trying to master just about everything. Sheryl Sandberg, in her best-selling book in 2013, tells her peers to lean in. My guest today would like to encourage us all, men and women alike, to lean out. Dawn Baker is a physician, writer, speaker, and life coach. She helps professionals step off the treadmill of achievement, rediscover their true selves, and cultivate a practice of balance that is right for them. Her recently published book is titled Lean Out, A Professional Woman's Guide to Finding Authentic Work-Life Balance. Dawn, welcome back to Earn and Invest. I was interested on the back cover of your book. You pose an important question. You write... Today, women have myriad choices and opportunities, but are they better as a result? And I think it's a great place to start this conversation. Are women better today, even with all these opportunities? Yeah, well, first of all, let me say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really happy to be here. And I think that women are better as a result in some ways. We have not had this many opportunities and different choices that we can make before us in any time other than the present. However, there's also an epidemic of burnout in professions, and there is an epidemic of infertility that's starting to become known, as well as other mental and physical health problems that are rampant in our workforce today among both men and women. It's an interesting point. I mean, do you think we can draw a straight line from more opportunities to more infertility? It's a really difficult conclusion to draw because there is not a lot of research out there right now. There are some studies done on medical professionals and not a lot in other professions as of now. 
that show that women who are in medicine are having an infertility rate that's double or more, depending on the study that you look at, of the traditional women popula- uh, female population. And so something is going on. There is a signal, but you know what are all of the different factors that are coming into play? I think part of it is that women, especially in the medical profession and the legal profession and other worlds, are delaying their childbearing. And we know that that is going to impact uh, that is going to impact our infertility or our fertility rates. And then there are other factors too that maybe just haven't been really researched well, such as uh, day night shift work impacting stress hormones or things like that. I think this is an important time to kind of go back to Sheryl Sandberg, right? Because all of these opportunities, we're talking about doctors, we're talking about lawyers, we're talking about professionals, we're talking about a change in the workplace over the last few decades. Lean In came out in 2013. Why do you think it hit the cultural zeitgeist the way it did? Why did it become such a big rallying cry for people? Well, I think that since the time that I was in college, women were being definitely influenced to try to go into non-traditional fields. I was an engineer before I became a physician, and there were a lot of scholarships and internships that were really trying to champion women in the workplace in these non-traditional fields. That was, you know, even before the 2010s. I think that women, as they got into these more non-traditional fields, then were rising the ranks. And the idea that Sheryl Sandberg put out in her famous graduation speech, in her famous TED Talk, and then those things became a book, is that women are ready for the boardroom more than they think they are that they don't necessarily have the confidence that they need in order to put themselves into that place. And they should lean in at the boardroom table, not lean back. That's the way she put it was don't lean back and think that that you don't have what it takes to be in those really top C-suite type positions. Everyone should be going for it. And of course, you know, she has a bias. That was her position in her particular um, jobs that she had. I like this idea. You're talking about the difference between lean lean in and lean back. Eventually, we're going to talk about your book, which is Lean Out, which takes, I think, things in a a different uh, direction. But before we do this term, lean in, specifically, what do you think it means or what was it meant to mean back then? And was it particularly gendered when she kind of brought this to the forefront? Yes, I do think that it was particularly a rally call for women. Um, as I mentioned, she talks about a scenario of seeing women in important meetings, stakeholder meetings, leaning back at the boardroom table, not putting their ideas forth, not having the confidence to go for it and to try to get those leadership positions. And she posits that if there are more women in leadership positions, that there would be better work-life balance, that there would be better policies. Now, I don't necessarily think that is true. And the reason that I titled my book Lean Out was because I don't see women who don't want to be in those leadership positions as leaning back like they're lazy or they're irresponsible or they're not 
living up to their true purpose or true calling. I think that there is such a highly individual basis to what we find to be the most meaningful and purposeful things in our lives and how we gain fulfillment. It's very individual and not everyone wants to be in that position. And so she's making an assumption that that's where everyone should be. And that's where, you know, all the women want to be. And that's the ultimate as far as the pinnacle of success. But I don't personally think that all of us are built that way. And I know that personally, I am not from my own experiences. There were a number of criticisms of Sheryl Sandberg's idea about leaning in. I'm going to read you a quote from Michelle Obama. I tell women that whole, so you can have it all. Nope, not at the same time. That's a lie. And it's not always enough to lean in because that shit doesn't work all the time. Tell us about your attempt to lean in early in your career, because I feel like you hit that wall, kind of that Michelle Obama was talking about, that sometimes you can't be everything all the time. Yes, that's a great quote. Um, I definitely was on what I call the treadmill of achievement. Like we know from earn and invest um, topics that you've had on this podcast before and in investing and in personal finance that there's something called that hedonic treadmill where you buy something, you upgrade, you get a little hit of excitement and of happiness, but then your happiness returns to baseline. This is the same for success and achievement. You get bred to be on this achievement train where the the prize of success and of doing well and of achievement is getting more work. And I was right there. I definitely did everything the way that someone who is a high achieving quote, smart female is supposed to do. I went into engineering. I worked as an engineer. I did the research. I have a master's degree in engineering. And then I went to medical school. And when I was in my residency in anesthesiology, which is something that I chose for reasons related to the fact that I went into medicine to gain more freedom of my location and the kind of places that I could have a job versus engineering. Um, I then got on this, this path of being pegged to be exactly where I was as an engineer, which was going into a very high um, highly regarded niche specialty of anesthesiology. And it was mainly because I had these certain physics and math backgrounds where people said, oh my gosh, you understand the ultrasound so well. You understand you know, how to do this procedure and you know, all the physics behind it. You're so good at this. And I drank that Kool-Aid and I went down that path. But as I was going down that path, I actually started to become physically ill. And it was something that I thought was related to having burnout at first and having stress. And it was also related to a fertility workup and not being able to have children when I wanted to. We all think that we're going to arrive at this place where we're at the pinnacle of our career and everything is going to work out perfectly and we're going to get that perfect house and we're going to you know, have this perfect family. But it, it wasn't working out that way. And I had a big wake-up call when I had a major health diagnosis. Tell us about that diagnosis. What happened? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I had a fertility workup and it showed that I had some major hormonal abnormalities, which was at first attributed to stress. 
And I started researching stress the way that a high achieving professional would and threw the book at it and started doing all these sort of stress management things. I actually took some time off before I really even knew what was physically wrong with me. And when I went back to my training, so this is when I was in residency and it's just a lot of hours, a lot of expectations, a lot of work. Um, I went back and I felt better mentally, but I really didn't feel better physically. I was still having these reproductive issues. And I finally got an MRI of my head, which was something that had been recommended to me by a particular endocrinologist. And I had I had shrugged it off and thought, oh, no, you know, that's not worth it. And I was busy. I was too busy to, you know, get all of the uh, type of workup that they recommended. I was able to go and get some labs. Being an MRI just seemed like a lot of work. And I finally got it. And it turned out that I had a very large pituitary adenoma, which is a certain type of brain tumor. It's luckily a benign type of tumor, but it had to come out surgically because it was compressing my optic nerve and it was causing me to have all sorts of visual disturbances. And that was what was causing my hormonal imbalances. I want to go back to Obama's quote, this idea that you can have it all. I think a lot about this in terms of my mother, who very much grew up during the women's rights movement of the 1970s. She, in a sense, benefited from that, right? She was able to become a CPA. She worked at a major accounting firm. On the other hand, she also still expected to be the very much present mother and caregiver to three children. I almost call this the superwoman phenomena, this idea that as in America, women have gotten much more rights, rights that they should have had forever, that hasn't decreased their other responsibilities at all. I mean, are there some downsides or some remnants left over from the women's rights movements of the 70s that are kind of leading to this leaning in versus leading out effect? Well, I'm not really sure the answer to that exact question. However, I do think the experience of your mother is is very similar to the experience that people are that women are having today, which is that they don't feel enough at work and at the same time they don't feel enough at home. They don't have enough bandwidth to operate at the high levels needed in both places. It's very difficult to be present for every single event, um, every single meal that is related to you know your children, and then at the same time, be there for all of the events at work, be there for the um, promotion times, the kind of meetings and things that Sheryl Sandberg talked about. So is it a remnant of the 70s? Maybe it is, but it's still there. I mean, they talk about this is how there's a difference, I think, in this topic of purpose and work-life balance and, and burnout for women versus men, which is that there is this unseen mental load that women carry that is related to feeling at least that they need to be taking on the majority of the child care duties and the home care duties at the same time having this professional career. I want to touch on that just for one more moment before we get to leaning out, right? So we've been spending a lot of time about talking about leaning in and Sheryl Sandberg and her book. 
But one last criticism, author Bell Hooks criticized leaning ignores the concrete systemic obstacles most women face inside the workforce. Hooks reasons that instead of the lean-in campaign inciting social change, its purpose is to provide women advice on how to become successful within existing conditions. Kind of some of this suggests that there are kind of broader social inequalities that we haven't addressed. Do you think, in a sense, lean-in is a little bit misplaced, right? Because it's saying you're in a system that isn't working, so just be better in that system as opposed to fixing the system as a whole. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that a lot of my premise in lean out, and which is why I use the word out, is that you need to take responsibility for yourself. So what you're positing is that the lean in movement is saying, well, work within the system. That's not the way that I read it in Sheryl Sandberg's book and her different speeches. The way that I read it was, if you try to get in these leadership positions. You lean in, you go, go, go. You don't take a break until she even says this until a break is needed. Hmm. Um, you know, what, what is going to happen there? Are you going to get sick? Are you going to, you know, um, you're going to have some sort of a, a complication with, um, your, you know, pregnancy or something like that. It's kind of scary, but, uh, she, it uh, talks about how if we get more women in the leadership positions, then magically the system is going to change. And I don't agree with that. I think that the system, you can try to change the system, but you need to take responsibility for yourself first. And that is going to occur quicker. And if you are what I call an unconventional leader, or a kind of a quiet leader, you will lead by example. You will be the person that shows, hey, you know, I'm asking for what I want because this is individually what I need. I'm being confident enough to say, this is the arrangement I want. I'm ordering off the menu at work. I need this particular schedule or something like that. Or say, just say no to added responsibilities. Those kind of things confer a leadership that is different than the traditional leadership. And so I feel like those are still of utmost importance, those kind of, um, you know, leading by example roles. I feel Sheryl Sandberg and Lean In were very much hustle culture in a sense. Um, and obviously yeah. people are looking a little bit negatively at hustle culture nowadays. Leaning out seems to be the opposite. Yes. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I'm very against hustle culture. In fact, I think I, I tend to call myself a counterculture professional because it's counterculture to want to build in rest into your days. It's counterculture to be mindful of your intentionality with your work roles and not just saying yes to everything. So yes, I do think that that, that is quite um, the a central component of the lean out movement that I'm trying to bring about here. We're going to talk a lot more about the lean out movement after the break, but before we do, are there, a, is there a healthy version or a good version of leaning in? I think so because not everyone operates the same way. And so embracing each of our individualities, the things that we value the things that we care about, some people are going to value that more traditional path. 
I have ca- I have had coaching clients that want to step away from roles and I have had coaching clients that want to embrace a new role that involves seemingly more work because part of their value system is leaving a legacy in their field for example and so we're all different and I think that if you are very mindful very Um, aware of your own value system and knowing your why as to what you're doing at work, then you can do those traditional, make those traditional lean in moves and still have a healthy work-life balance. We are talking to Dawn Baker. She's a physician, writer, speaker, and life coach. She helps professionals step off the treadmill of achievement and rediscover their true selves. And we are talking about her book, Lean Out. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenues, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com earn. That is linkedin.com E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com earn and get started. We are back with Dawn Baker. Her recently published book is titled Lean Out, A Professional Woman's Guide to Finding Authentic Work-Life Balance. So let's talk about leaning out. What does that exactly mean? And what does it look like for a busy professional? Well, leaning out means that you take control of what you individually need as far as work-life balance. It means finding your unique work-life balance. It's going to be different from other people, and it might be different from what you traditionally thought of as a particular professional in your role. So the first step is to 
identify rules and shoulds that you have been living with, that you have been following that may or may not be serving what you actually want. And that also involves thought traps, things that people do that are keeping holding them back from opening their mind to finding a unique work-life balance. So that's like all or nothing thinking, having guilt or shame if you make a move in your particular position, or a sunk cost fallacy, like, oh, I've spent so much money on this particular degree or this training, and I can't make a change because what if I fail? What if I do something that I can't reverse, which is another myth. You can always reverse things to some degree. I feel like leaning out presupposes a little bit of the buffet mentality, right? We can look at our professions, our careers. We can choose what we want off the buffet and leave what we don't want. But I could hear some pushback with this. People saying, well, you kind of take the baby with the bathwater. You either kind of have to accept the job as a whole, which comes with all the good and bad things together, or you don't take the job at all. What do you say to that type of criticism? I think that each of us needs to be aware of our chosen profession and the positives and negatives. Definitely. You and I know that in medicine, there is not a particular perfect specialty and every single area that people, every single niche that people can go into in medicine has positives and negatives. It has exciting times and some tediousness. And so, yeah, you need to accept that fact Um, And that comes with the idea that I think that people need to be more mindful and intentional about what they're doing and what they're accepting at work. However, should you take a job exactly the way that it's described and not ask for something different? No, I don't agree with that. I think that we need to have the confidence to when something isn't working in a particular position, like maybe you say yes at first, and then there's a particular role that you've been asked to take on that just is not working for you. It either drains your energy, it's soul sucking, or it's conflicting with a particular part of your life that is very important at the moment. You need to be able to have the confidence to ask to have that change. In the book, you talk about something you call authentic work-life balance. What exactly is that? Well, I think of authenticity as the person that is um, kind of like how I was mentioning being a de facto leader or a, um, a unique leader. It's someone who is embracing the things that they individually need and leading by example for the other people in their profession or in their workplace. So authenticity is knowing yourself to a great extent and being mindful about your choices and your values and doing things that align with that. Kind of like what you talk about with your purpose, identity, and connections as well in your work. One thing I worry about, and I talk about this a lot too, as you do, this whole idea of the achievement treadmill, in essence, is leaning out anti-achievement then? How do we pull in our sense? I mean, you and I are both, we're highly, we were highly focused on achievement. We had to be to get to where we did in our professions. And a lot of people listen to this are professionals who've achieved a lot. 
Is it wrong to focus on achievements or is there some way to balance achievements in such a way that it doesn't feel so hectic and painful? I don't think that what I'm saying is anti-achievement because I recognize the fact that achievement is central to our feeling of need of being needed in a community and of having a sense of purpose. And so achievements are very important in our lives. We want to have those available. What I have problems with are the people that get into the the pattern of achieving just for the the feeling of achieving that sense of self-worth that they get and that that becomes their entire identity that they have to say yes to every single thing that is asked of them and that that's just the next achievement and that success is defined principally by our achievements that's where i have the the problem with achievement Let's bring this into the financial realm. You and I are both part of the financial independence movement. Uh, We grew up thinking about financial independence, retire early. Leaning out presupposes in a sense that you're willing to leave some money on the table. How do we kind of build work-life balance, being authentic, leaning out, with also building up our finances, possibly for retiring at a reasonable time? Yeah. Now I have started a podcast after I published my book earlier in 2023, and it focuses on highlighting professional women who have taken unique steps to find their own work-life balance and are leading by example, as I have mentioned. And so many of the women that I have interviewed have mentioned the financial piece. And what is commonly mentioned is living a little bit more simply, knowing what your enough is, having those difficult conversations with your spouse or your family members in order to figure out where can we save, where can we cut out non-essential things so that we can build this level of financial confidence so that the person can make a different move in their career. And sometimes it involved a side hustle. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it just involved living simply and saving unscrupulously. Tell me about geography. I, I believe geography also played a big role for you, maybe both financially and in leaning out in general. Uh, you changed venues in a sense, right? You moved. Yeah, I did. So part of my lean out journey, I would say, was reconnecting with the fact that I really wanted to have location freedom in my life. Freedom is a big part of my values, as is adventure and also continuous learning. So I still love being a physician. I still practice part time, but I practice in a a travel um, fill in type we call it locum tenens uh, type of a capacity. And so that involves me traveling to different places. I am not very adventurous as far as how far I will go at the moment. I tend to go uh, to these different 
positions that are in the Mountain West, and that's the region that I live in. But I was living in a city, and we had settled into a comfortable life, and I was at a comfortable job. But I realized that I wanted something a little more unique. We wanted a lifestyle that was different. We wanted to try something different. And so we moved into a very rural existence now. And there isn't any work in the immediate area where I live. And so that's part of why I travel for my work. And it's been a great balance for me. We have this new area of learning that we're doing as a family, which is in the homesteading realm, the living off grid, living in an alpine area, we have a large piece of land. And so there's a lot of adventure built into that. And I have that whole part of my life. And I have the part where I talk about leaning out and I have the writings and I have the podcast and I have the coaching. And then I still have this other aspect of clinical medicine that I still really enjoy on a part-time basis. Let's talk about the kids for a moment. Um, My wife and I have this conversation all the time. She is still very busy with her profession. We've talked about the fact that we're both financially independent, that she could decrease her hours or stop whenever she wants. And especially when the kids were young, there was a lot of talk about modeling a certain behavior, especially for my daughter, to see her as a professional making money, helping people doing kind of all these quote unquote achievements or professional things. Tell me about the effect of leaning out on your kids. How do you think it has affected the way they are going to look at life and things like financial independence? Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to have one daughter through the use of infertility treatments after my whole brain tumor diagnosis and treatment. And so I'm so happy to be a parent and I wish that I could have had more than one kid, but um, I have the one and she has a unique perspective on parenting. I think that we do try to show her that we're pretty different than other parents in the fact that we spend a lot of time at home and we are present uh, in the household a lot more than some other parents. And that's not saying that being away from the household is necessarily bad, but it's just the way that our careers worked out. My husband also works a remote position in law. And so he has a unique countercultural profession as well. Um, so she has a skewed view, I think, of what it's like to have two working parents. But it's funny that you say uh, that um, it, it has a, at one point been important to show that your wife is making this contribution in a certain area, you know, of, of her, her work life. I still do also try to demonstrate that to my daughter. That's not necessarily why I still do it. And I do grapple with the point of when is enough, um, in, in the realm of being financially independent, uh, when is enough, but I, I still enjoy my job. And so that is what I try to demonstrate to my daughter. And every time I'm on a work assignment, because my husband has this remote work, he's able to take care of her and they don't necessarily always travel with me, but we spend time on FaceTime every day, which is such a, a wonderful technology. I love that we have that, but uh, she'll ask me, how was your work day? And I will tell her things about like, oh, I helped this person do this, or 
I had a very unique patient in this and I made them feel better about their surgery or, you know, those kind of things. So I do want to still demonstrate that to her. Um, but I also at the same time think that uh, she has a pretty unusual view of of parents. You've used the term countercultural a few times to describe kind of what you do, maybe even this idea of leaning out, what your husband does. I'm wondering if you're thinking it's less countercultural than it was, say, five years ago. So we've gone through lots of things, right? The after the Great Recession, we've now had COVID, uh, the Great Resignation, the rise of remote work. Uh, do you think leaning out is becoming more accepted, maybe out there in the world? Yes, I do, and I do think that the pandemic played some part in that. Now, speaking of my husband's legal profession, he was doing remote work and online and phone call and virtual meetings well before it was something that was accepted in the legal profession. And now it is. Now everyone is doing those and they have Zoom depositions. But uh, that was not something that was acceptable you know, prior to maybe 2020, 2019, 2018. And I have now interviewed some attorneys on my podcast who are doing remote work as well. They asked for positions that weren't necessarily described in the work description when they were trying to apply for those positions. And I think that shows that people are starting to embrace the idea that, that we can ask for work that's not on the menu, that we can do something that's different than our other peers in the same profession. We've been talking throughout this conversation about the women's rights movement. We've talked about Sheryl Sandberg and her push to get people to lean in early. We've talked about your experiences. Do you feel the leaning out is similar for men and women? Does it feel like today in 2023, going on 2024, that for men, the advice is different than maybe what you're giving women right now with this idea of leaning out? I think that for some men, they also want to lean out and they don't feel that it's acceptable. So in that sense, I think that there is some of the same advice, except that there is a little bit of a different social dynamic. And I think some of that has to do with family roles and what we were talking about earlier with the fact that women shoulder a greater amount of the parenting and the household roles. But when a man wants to have that in their life, it's that's countercultural as well. I think that that's unusual. And Leaning out can apply to them in the sense of being the person that is constantly working for more and more and more and trying to be mindful of defining that enough for you and for your family, I think is where the magic is for men in leaning out. You know, it's funny, as you're saying this, I start thinking this idea that men need to lean in to the home life, to the parenting, to the non-quote-unquote professional world, 
and lean out from the professional world. Like, uh, it's funny the way we use the terms, but maybe leaning into different aspects, not what was thought to be what men were supposed to do back in the seventies and eighties or even farther back. Um, yeah, definitely. But, but leaning, but leaning into the family life as opposed to, whereas women may be leaning out of the professional life, which is, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting mix of, of, I guess what we're seeing as time goes on is the changing of traditional roles. Yeah. So a lot of people are listening to this right now and they're saying, this all sounds great and it's philosophical, but how do I start this process of leaning out today? Maybe I'm burned out at work. Maybe things just don't feel like they're right. Especially if you're a woman out there hearing your story and connecting to it, how do they start the process of leaning out? Well, I mentioned that one of the ways that you can start is to really think about rules that you're following that you don't necessarily believe are in line with what you want for your work-life balance. So those could be things like a good partner has to bill X number of hours or to be a good physician, to be a good architect, I need to be in the office at this time of day and I cannot leave until this time. Those kind of rules that may have come from your upbringing, may have come from culture, may have come from your training and your profession. So addressing those and addressing the fact that you could have some thought traps that are holding you back from leaning out. And then you mentioned being burned out. I think that A very important thing for people is to take some time either off or some time to themselves. And spending time with yourself on a regular basis doesn't have to mean that you take a huge leave from your job or that you even take a vacation longer than a few days. It can mean that you take regular 10 minute periods that you spend time by yourself every day. And that can be something like you sit and you journal, you have a mindfulness exercise that you do, you take a walk and you're just alone with your thoughts because sometimes people don't even take that amount of time on a regular basis to think and to think about what you want and what you're doing and if it's what you like. And then practicing doing hard things is something that I talk about to gain confidence, to ask for a move in your workplace, whatever that might be. It might be to step down from a particular role you have, or it might be to ask for a different schedule or do something a little bit more non-traditional. And so practicing doing hard things means recognizing the difficult things that you do and then taking some confidence From that. And it can be like trying something new, taking a new class, learning a new skill, spending some time alone. Like we talked about, it can be very difficult for people. Um, Saying no and learning ways to say no. Also, recognizing when you're making decisions. We all make decisions on an everyday basis. But then at the same time, when faced with a big decision, we can be like, I have no idea how to decide this. But Recognizing the decisions you're making and then getting used to making decisions and not always outsourcing everything you do or asking other people what they think in your family or at work. 
And then we talked a little bit about the idea of living on less. That can be also a hard thing or, you know, looking at your finances and analyzing what you can cut out so that you can build a little bit of a an emergency fund or a pad that can make you feel more confident about asking for something different at work. Well, Don, I wanted to thank you for being on Earn and Invest today. As I think about our conversation, what really hits me is this idea that we really have to lean out of what isn't serving us anymore, those things that are burning us out, those things that society tells us to do that don't feel right on the insides. And yet we need to lean into that which empowers us, that which motivates us, that which gives us a sense of purpose. I want to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where people can find you. So first and foremost, tell us about your podcast. Yeah. So after I published the book, I made a podcast called Lean Out Podcast, and you can find that in the typical places that people consume podcasts. And it is a, a combination of solo episodes from me talking about a particular maybe lesson that I learned or a particular area that I want to um, teach someone about. And then also interviews of inspiring women professionals who have done something unique in their profession. So I have that going. I'm almost finished with season one, and then I'll take a small break in the new year of 2024. And startup season two. So when our conversation airs, we might be full full going into season two of the podcast. And if anyone has a unique story and they want to be featured, please contact me. The way that you can do that is going to my website, which is practicebalance.com. They can contact me through that website. They can also look at the longstanding blog that I have there. And there are links to buying the book and to also going to the podcast. And I also want to mention that I just recently published the book in audiobook format. So if you're a minimalist or an audiobook file, then you can get the book that way as well. So the book is Lean Out, A Professional Woman's Guide to Finding Authentic Work-Life Balance. Don Baker, thank you so much for being on Earn and Invest today. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. I want to talk about leaning out just a little bit, and in regards specifically to hustle culture, I find hustle culture problematic. Maybe not for the reasons that you think. I think there's nothing wrong with hustling. I actually think there's nothing wrong with having big, audacious goals. On the other hand, I have to admit, in my own life, it's caused nothing but pain and suffering. Don talked about it a little bit in our conversation today, this idea of overachieving, or what we call the achievement treadmill. You guys have all heard of the hedonic treadmill, this idea that, for instance, purchases cause a hit of dopamine, it gets us excited, we feel good, but then that wears off, we go back down to our baseline, and then we need to buy something new to recreate those good feelings, and it becomes a treadmill because it wears off, we adapt, we go back down to our baseline, and we keep on needing these new hits of dopamine. 
many of us, especially in this community, have the same when it comes to achievements. And I was totally like this. At first, it was becoming a doctor. Then it was having a successful practice. Then it was financial independence. Then it was things like writing a book. The truth of the matter is there's always more achievements out there. The problem is when you base your sense of self-worth on those achievements, you find yourself feeling relatively empty when you get there. And this is considering that you're lucky enough to get there. The bigger and the more audacious your goal is, the less likelihood you're going to succeed. So you're going to feel bad when you fail. But let's say you do succeed, you then have to create a higher mountain to climb. I've faced this over and over again in my own life and my own career. And so it makes me think a lot about hustle culture, this idea that you just have to hustle more, you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you have to work harder and longer and achieve bigger and bigger things. You know, it just doesn't speak to me. And so I totally relate to what Don is saying about leaning out versus leaning in. Leaning in sounds good, and I love this idea that we need to feel empowered to lean into our jobs in corporate America, etc. But I think the downside is over-leaning in, buying into this hustle culture and pushing to be more and more to become super people. That's difficult and complicated, and I think often leaves us tired out because these treadmills we run on take our energy and the treadmills never slow down. And yet our ability to keep up does. At some point, we're going to all end up falling on our faces. So you know my solution. I've talked about this before. I've started to really concentrate now on my life, on those activities, those projects, even those goals that I enjoy doing regardless of the outcome. That is my antidote to the achievement treadmill. That is my way of trying to get ahead of this continuously striving and starting to be in the moment here and now, starting to enjoy my activities for what they are, a good use of my time, as opposed to what I get out of them. And so I am relatively goal agnostic. I'm not afraid of goals. I don't think that it's a bad idea to have goals incorporated into my life. And yet whether I succeed or fail at those goals is not nearly as important as enjoying the process of doing what I'm doing today. So the question is, how does this all speak to you, have goals been beneficial in your life? The bigger, the more audacious, the better for you? That's a question. Does it make things better? Or is it like for me, where these goals have made things maybe not worse, but certainly stressful and unfulfilling in the long run? I think it's an important question. I think because we're all different people, we might have a different take on this issue. But I have the feeling that if most of us would let go of some of these big audacious goals or at least not spend so much time worrying about whether we got to the end, whether we got to the top of the mountain or not, I think a lot of us would be more happy and maybe even more accomplished because when we remove this idea of the goal, we remove the idea of hitting the finish line and we just concentrate on what we're doing in the moment, maybe we produce greater, more beneficial, more impactful things. At least that's what I've found in my life. And I'm hoping that's what you find in yours. There is no finish line, just a series of paths to take. So the big question is, will you enjoy 
every single moment of your path, or at least the grand majority of them. All right, I'm going to turn the camera back on. Yeah, I yeah, usually sure. record what we talk about next is like a little bit of an after show, but anything we didn't talk about from either the podcast or the book that you think is really important that people know? Well, I didn't mention when you were talking about how to lean out that sometimes you need to have help. And, you know, this sounds biased because I'm a coach and people hire me to do that. <laughs> But there are other ways to get help. I mean, a low level is to DIY, like buy the book. That's why I wrote the book is so that people can have a self-guided way that they can go through some of the kind of exercises that I go through with coaching clients. And um, But asking for help, and it doesn't necessarily have to be from a coach or a therapist, but that's one thing that, you know, is a way to help. But the other thing is that just asking in your communities there are so many facebook groups for women physicians that i'm sure there are groups for every other type of demographic every other type of profession out there and i find them to be very helpful people can get inspiration and be like oh this person's doing this and you know and then also asking for help is just cultivating a community by listening to podcast episodes of women that are doing things that are you know, like my episodes where they're they're doing something unique out of the box and that can the um, person can gain inspiration that way. So that was one thing that I forgot to mention. And how is uh, how's the process of book publishing now? You're, you know, almost not a full year. Right. But but you're many, many months past it. Uh, how do you feel about it? It's been good. Well, I did the self-publishing route and um, that is not as long like you were talking about the traditional publishing route, which is, you know, nice. But at the same time, it's difficult to to get the book in front of people's eyes. You know, I want more people that read it to review it and, you know, those kind of things. And it's always difficult to get that. Um I, I started the podcast wanting more people to hear about my messages than someone who reads a book or reads a blog. And I do think that's been helpful because I've gotten so many downloads just off of that. As you know, you reach so many people with a podcast episode. So that's been super fun. And I really hesitated doing a podcast, even though I love podcasts for so long. I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but it's been fine. Um, it's been really fun and you get better and better at asking questions the more you do it. <laughs> yeah. Podcasting is fun and it's a great way to have great conversations and record them and, and just kind of explore deeply. I, I, I really enjoy doing it and I think it's, it's a great way to develop yourself and reach more people. Yeah, for sure. And then the other really cool thing that has happened is that uh, at the next White Coat Investor Conference, they're going to put my book in the um in the swag bag so that was really exciting because that was a big bulk order that i could do for them and so that'll get the book in to a lot more people's hands and it's not for everyone you know it has the word woman in it but i'm hoping that it's a mixed audience and so everybody will take a look at it and then they'll they'll gift it to somebody hopefully that you know that they feel needs it you care about your money of course you do so why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? 
This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.